You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. I am very excited about what we're going to, and I say that every week, but I think I'm more excited about today, and then next week I'll be more excited about today, and so anyway, that's kind of the way it goes, but I know what, what I have in my heart to share with you this week, and, and it's going to be, and I don't say this because of me, I say it because of the Word, it's going to be very powerful, and I believe it's going to help, help you, because it has helped me. So, all right, let's get into this. Let's... Um, Look at our foundation scripture. This is week number five in our, our series called Back to the Basics. And uh, just to let you know, what I usually try and do during the summer months, because there are people that are coming and going because of vacations and things like that, we, we like to cover some basic things, go back and revisit some truths that we know and we've heard and just make sure we have them down in our hearts. And so that's exactly what this uh, foundation scripture says. And this is Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1 from the Passion Translation. It says this, This is why it is so crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truths. Notice that he says that we have heard so that we do not drift off course. And, uh, you know, human nature is such where a lot of times, uh, you know, we're looking for the latest and greatest. We're looking for the new thing. And what the Lord is telling us here in this verse is that we need to go back and revisit some of the things that we have already heard in the past because the tendency, one translation says that uh, the tendency is, is for us to let them slip. And uh, when you begin to let truths that you have heard uh, slip, if you will, it causes you to drift off course. And, uh, you know, for those of you who are familiar with aviation, it doesn't take much for you to drift off course. You know, if you start out uh, even in a boat or in an airplane, if you were going, say, to uh, somewhere in the south, let's just say, uh, you know, Miami or someplace like that, if you were to take off from Charlotte and head that way and you were one degree off, by the time you get close to your destination, you're going to be way off course. And so what the Lord is wanting us to do is he's wanting us to stay on course. Look, look at somebody close by and ask him, say, are you still on course? All right. And tell him you boldly say, yes, I am. Tell him, uh, tell him this, say, you need to get back on course. All right. Okay. So I'm not going to rehearse what we've looked at over the last uh, four weeks. I do want to mention that last week we spent some time looking in Mark chapter 11, and we're going to go there in just a second, but we looked at Mark chapter 11 and verse 23, where Jesus said we could speak to the mountain, and if we would believe that what we would say would come to pass, we can have whatever we say. And so we're looking at some faith principles. We're looking at some principles from the Word of God and what God's Word teaches us on how to believe Him. We started out looking at at how God developed faith in Abraham. He built hope on the inside of Abraham by giving him a promise and then worked with Abraham for 25 years and then brought him to a place of faith to where he could believe for the promise of God. And as you know the story, Isaac was born and, and the rest is history. 
So the principles of faith work the same way. You know, they work for Abraham just like they'll work for you. They work for Jesus just like they'll work for you. So let's go over to Mark chapter 11. It's there on your notes and it'll be on the screen. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. And of course, as we relate to you last week, this is the story where Jesus cursed the fig tree and the, the disciples saw it 24 hours after he cursed it. It was dried up from the roots and Peter responded and said, Master, look, the fig tree that you cursed, it's, it's dried up. And so verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Now, I love the fact that Jesus didn't even mention the fig tree. From this point on, he doesn't mention it. He doesn't acknowledge it. He was wanting to teach them a lesson in faith. So he says, have faith in God, or as the original text says in the Greek, have the have the faith of God. One translation says, have the God kind of faith. So he's getting ready to tell you how the faith of God works. In verse 23, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, as I mentioned to you, <clears throat> pardon me, with Jesus, always, and really throughout all the scriptures, you have to pay attention to details. Uh, you know, I tell our Bible study group on Wednesday nights, by the way, you're more than welcome to join us on that on Zoom, but I tell our Bible study group on Wednesday nights, pay attention to the details because Jesus never did accidental, he never did random, and he never rambled when he was talking. If he said something, he said it on purpose. So let's look at verse 23 and break it down. He said, for whoever says to this mountain, whoever speaks to the mountain and you command it to be removed and be cast into the sea. So that's the command, but here's what has to back up the command. Does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So in this verse, Jesus is telling you, if you will believe that what you say will come to pass, you can have what you say. Now, of course, uh, largely what Jesus is referring to is based on the Word of God and things that we believe God for from the Word. But what I, what I want you to do is understand this. Your job is simply to believe that what you say comes to pass. God's job is to move the mountain. Look, can I say this to you? Your faith and your words do not contain enough power in themselves to move the mountain, but the power of God is sufficient to move the mountain. All God needs you to do is just believe that what you say will come to pass. Are you following me? Okay. All right. So let's go to verse 24. And Jesus, now, by the way, this is two faith applications, two different applications of faith. So verse 24, Jesus goes on to that, say, therefore I say to you, uh, if you look at the original again, and, and I like to dive into things like this, the, the actual, instead of saying therefore, really what it should be is so then. So Jesus just got through telling them this particular application of faith, and then he's moving on and he says, so then I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you receive them and you will have them. So the first faith application is speaking to your mountain. Jesus said, if you'll speak to the mountain, believe that what you say comes to pass, you can have what you say. 
The second faith application is this. It involves prayer. Now, notice this. The first one had nothing to do with prayer. This one includes prayer. So he says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, now pay attention. What are you supposed to believe? Believe that you receive them and you will have them. So if you're taking notes, let's write some things down. The first thing that we're talking about today is the prayer of faith. We, we looked last week at the confession or speaking by faith, and what we're looking at here today is the prayer of faith. So here's the first principle I want you to get, five things that you're going to get by the time we get through today. Number one is this, your prayer must be in line with God's will. If you want your prayers to be answered and your prayers to work, then they have to be in line with God's will. So let's look at a scripture that says exactly this. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence. Say confidence. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask, so he's talking about prayer, that if we ask anything according to his will, say anything, okay? Does anything to you mean anything? Okay, all right. So, but he's getting ready to give you some parameters to work with. He says, if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. So if you want God to hear your prayers, anybody here want God to hear your prayers? Okay, so, so John tells us what you're going to have to do is pray and ask according to his will. Look at verse 15. If we know that he hears us, which if you pray according to the will of God, he does hear you, that whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions or the things that we have asked for, we have asked of him. So here's what I want you to see that you must ask according to the will of God. When you do that, you are guaranteed God hears your prayers. Now, isn't that good news that, that you can rest assured? He says confidence. You can have confidence that when you pray according to the will of God, God hears your prayers, and that when you pray that, uh, he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have prayed for. All right, so, so the parameter, the boundary, if you will, is God's will. So somebody would say then, what is the will of God? Well, the best thing I can tell you is, number one, this is God's will, okay? Now, there might be some specific things about your life that are God's will, and, and we'll talk more about that later on in future lessons, but... I can say this, about 98, 99% of what you're going to deal with in life is covered in this book, okay? So you have to go back and see what the Word says because, write this down please, God's Word and His will are one in the same. God's Word and His will are one in the same. You're not going to find God saying something in the written Word of God that is different than what he desires or what he wills to happen. So, so we can say this, if you can find it in the word, it is God's will for you to have it. So if you base your prayer on the word of God, then you can rest assured, John told us, God will hear your prayer 
And then if he hears your prayer, you know that you, can, you will have the answer to what you have prayed for. All right, so your prayer has to be based on the will of God, which is the word of God. Now let's go look at John 15 and verse 7, Jesus speaking. I'm reading it from the Amplified Bible. It says this, if you live in me, abide vitally, united to me, and my words remain in you, or uh, continue to live in your hearts, if my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. Now, the implication of this verse is this. Jesus is telling us that he wants us to be so full of the word of God that the word begins to shape our will. Now, Jesus is, you can't take the latter half of this verse and take it out of his context and just say, well, whatever I want, I can pray and God will hear my prayers and answer my prayers. So if I want, uh, you know, if I want to go, uh, of course, it's too late, but if I want to go win $1.38 billion playing the lottery and I ask God to help me do that, that's something that I will. Will God help me do that? Well, uh, you know, not to get off on a, a tangent or a rabbit trail, but no, he won't, okay? Somebody say, let me, let me help you understand something. <laughs> and I got to laugh at myself. Um, you want me to tell you how you can tell whether God's your source or not? Anybody want to know? I can tell you he is not your source if you're tempted to go play the lottery. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I, for a moment the thought passed my mind, do I need to go get a lottery ticket? I mean, that's a lot of money. I mean, I forgot what the uh, annuity is for 29 years that, that whoever got it, uh, you know, will receive. I want to say it's close to $975,000 a year that, that this person, I think I could adjust my lifestyle to live off a million dollars a year, don't you? Okay. Uh, and that's after taxes, by the way. All right. But, uh, you know, so I was just sitting there at my desk and for just a moment, the thought passed my mind, man, do I need to run up a quick trip and buy me a little ticket and stand over in the corner and scratch? Um, and, and, you know, scratch it off, and, and uh, it just rose up in my heart, well, who's your source? Okay, so I had to just pull all that down. I wouldn't have done it anyway. But if you do and you win, please tithe to the church. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus will forgive you, and we will forgive you, and then gladly receive your offering. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, so, but anyway, what I, my point is this. You can't just will or desire anything and pray for that. It has to be within the boundaries or parameters, if you will, of God's word. But there is more than enough to do with your life in God's word that you can pray and believe God for. Now, God has attached himself to his word. You cannot separate God from his word. By the way, the same thing is true for you. You cannot separate yourself from your word. If your word is no good, guess what? You have some flaws, all right? By the way, God's word is perfect, so God has no flaws. And so God and his word are one. Matter of fact, John chapter one and verse one says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So God and his word are totally connected. They're totally one. So if you can find what you desire in God's word, you 
can pray for it and you can believe God for it and you can have it. So it behooves us then, we need to do some digging in the word. Now, why is it that God designed this thing in his wisdom to attach our prayer life to his word and his will? Why did he do that? Well, here's what he knows and what you will find out when you begin to pray in faith, and that is this. When you pray in faith, between the time that you say amen and the time that the answer shows up, which there might be a span of time in between those two things, you're going to need something to stand on to carry you between point A to the answer. And that has to be the Word of God. You have to have the Word in your heart. Uh, actually, Paul, the apostle, he wrote in Timothy's uh, letters, and he said this, you're going to need to fight the good fight of faith. By the way, the faith fight is good because it, it, you win if you stay in it, okay? But it's the word of God that's going to carry you, that's going to give you the drive and the impetus to be able to stay in the fight so that you can believe God for what you're praying for. Now, Jesus did the very same thing. Anybody familiar with when Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, okay? Now, the devil would tempt him. There were three temptations, that, that were presented to the Lord Jesus. And by the way, they were real temptations. If they weren't, then, then the, the scripture is lying and we know that it's not lying. The scripture says that Jesus was tempted. So each temptation that was presented to him, what was his response? Do you remember? What did he say? It is written, okay? So what did he have to do when the pressure was presented to him to back away from what he knew and what he believed? He had to come back with the word. He had to come back with what is, is written in God's word. So let me, let me present this to you. If the holy son of God, who was 100% man and 100% God, in order to win the fight he was having to fight, he had to use the word, then guess what you, little old me and you have to do? We have to use the word of God. And so you're going to need some scriptures when you are praying and you are standing in faith, you're going to have to have some scriptures to stand on so that you have a basis to fight your fight with. Now, I'm going to tell you this, most of the time, now, not to discount the miraculous power of God, God is still in the miracle working business. I'm, I'm not taking away from that at all. But most of the time, when you and I pray for something, there is going to be some time between that prayer and the time that the answer to your prayer shows up. So you are going to need the word so you can stand in faith. Now, what I tell you, to, or what I suggest for you to do is do a little research Find some scriptures that you can base your prayer on. I, what I do is I have a, a prayer book. Uh, it's actually an old day planner that I took the pages out of and put new pages in it. And, and I write down the scriptures that I'm basing my prayer on. I put the prayer there, I date it, and I put the scriptures down that I am standing on so that I have a record of what I have found. Now, what's, what's cool and what helps me in that is when God answers that prayer, I go back to that page and I write down the date that the prayer was answered 
to give me some ammunition for future prayers so when I'm standing in faith and the devil tries to get me to quit, I can go back and I can look at the times that God has showed up and I can say, no, I'm not quitting. You know, I uh, recently, I'll just share a little testimony with you. This might not, you may not seem like a big deal to you, but, um, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm a grown man and, uh, you know, I, I will be turning 59 real soon and never been married, but all of my adult life, I slept and had a twin bed. Now, it was great. Uh, you know, uh, I had, you know, of course, in 50 years bought or 40 years bought new, new mattress and so forth and so on. But I desired um, to have a queen bed, okay? Now, just not just for more room for me, but uh, I know when Mrs. Mullins does show up, she's not going to want to sleep with me in a twin bed, okay? I mean, let's just be real. So I released my faith for a queen bed. I did this oh, a couple years ago, and I prayed, and, and I wrote it in my, my prayer journal and, and wrote it down, wrote some scriptures down, and released my faith for it, and I am, uh, of course, all glory to God, but as of June... The first, I have a queen bed with a brand new mattress and box springs, and the only thing that, that I had to pay for was some queen sheets. I had no queen sheets, uh, an extra set. Actually, my brother and his wife gave me uh, a set for it, but, um, and then a, a mattress topper. So I have probably about 100 bucks into this queen bed that for just some accessories that I wanted. Now, that might not seem like a big deal to you, but it's a big deal to me, and God knew it was a big deal to me because what it did is it gave me something to know. God heard my prayer. God showed up. God answered my prayer, and he did it, and nobody can take that from me. So the devil, you know, if he ever wants to start giving me a hard time, then I just have to pull out my prayer book and say, no, 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 look what, look what God did, Okay. So that's just a little helpful hint. Now, let's go to number two. Number two is this. This is the second thing I want you to know. When you pray the prayer of faith, believe that you receive the answer at the time that you pray. Believe that you receive the answer at the time that you pray. Now, in the Greek language, the word receive there in the verse, Mark eleven twenty four, what things soever you desire... When you, well, let me just show it to you. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. The word believe there means this in the Greek language, take hold of. Take hold of it. So when you are, Jesus said that when you pray, at the moment that you pray, take hold of the answer and and. When you do that and you stand in faith receiving the answer already, you'll get the answer to your prayer. Now, I'm, I'm going to do something similar to what I did last week, but I want to give you um, a tweak, if you will, that God ministered to me and to help you with this. Now, here's the way I used to approach this verse. Okay, and thank God for extra light, I mean, additional revelation. But I used to approach this scripture like this. 
Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So what, I, what my faith had to do was to believe God. And in, in my mind, the receiving included the manifestation of the answer to that prayer. In other words, it was my job to somehow, through my faith, manifest the answer to, to that prayer. All right? And the Lord had to get my attention, and he said, no, that's not what I said in that verse. So I went back, and, and you know, it's one of those things where I've read this verse hundreds of times, and, and I went back and I read it, uh, you know, a few more times, and finally I saw it. Okay? Now here's what I, I want to do. I want to help you and take some pressure off of your faith and, and show you the simplicity of what God or, or what Jesus actually told us to do, okay? Jesus said, do not, or he did not say rather, believe for the manifestation of the answer to your prayer. He said, believe that you receive what you pray for. Now here's the difference. And this is where I was missing it. I was trying to do God's job and my job at the same time. God's job is the manifestation part. Getting the answer to show up in this natural realm where you and I live. My part is to simply believe that I receive the answer. Now, I'm going to give you the illustration that the Lord gave me. And hopefully, uh, and again, I've shared this with the Wednesday night crowd, but I want to share it with you uh, just because it helped me so much. All right, let's say, uh, let me use Kathy as an example. She doesn't mind. She's often my example, okay? Um, so Kathy, let's say Kathy is working a job, which she does, and let's just throw some numbers out there. I, I have no idea uh, what her actual salary is, but maybe this could be prophecy, um, that she's making $100,000 a year, okay? Let's just say, work with me here. Let's just say she's making, she's, she's like, that's too low, okay. <laughs> no, let's say she's making $100,000 a year. And her boss comes to her and says, Kathy, we really love you here. We really appreciate the great job that you're doing here at our company and we want to treat you right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a $100,000 a year raise. So that means on an annual basis, now she'll be making $200,000. And just to show you how much we appreciate you, we're going to give you a $100,000 bonus, which will show up on your next paycheck. Okay. I told you I might be prophesying. All right, okay. All right, so just, you know, do some rough math in your head. All right, so what that means is she will be making $200,000 a year in her salary. She's getting ready to get a $100,000 bonus. And then her boss throws this in. He says, and what we want to do is we want to make that raise retroactive for the last five years. So you'll get that on top of that. Okay. So, so are you following me here? Okay, now, the reason I'm throwing out big numbers like this is because I want to jar our thinking. So, do you think Kathy 
is going to be doing anything in her thinking to prepare for at least that next paycheck where she's going to get an extra $100,000 because of the bonus, okay? Do you think she might be doing something like this, thinking about what can I do with that extra 100000 Of course, I'm going to tithe, okay, and give, and, and, you know, I'm just kidding, but I know she will. But what I'm saying to you, she's going to begin to think of how her life will look with not only that extra 100000 in bonus, but an extra 100000 a year, and then the extra 500000 that they're going to give her for the previous five years. Okay, in other words, she's going to be thinking about how she can spend that money, what she needs to do with it. She might go to a financial advisor and get some advice and all this type of thing. In other words, she is seeing her life being lived as though that has already happened. But she has not seen one dime of that money yet at all. But yet she's living her life and governing her thinking as though, listen, as though she has already received what was promised to her. That's what Jesus said you and I are to do. Now I want to ask you a question. Is it Kathy's responsibility to come up with all that money? Is it Kathy's responsibility uh, to, to personally write the checks and sign the checks to herself? No. That's somebody else's responsibility. That's the company's responsibility. And assuming, you know, that they have the wherewithal to back all that up, of course, uh, you know, she's got full confidence that that is going to show up. And so what she begins to do is change her thinking and adapt her way of life to fit what has been guaranteed and promised to her because she believes she has received it. Now, are you tracking with me? That's exactly what Jesus said for us to do. When we find something in the Word where God says we can have whatever the promise says, then what we can do is pray and say, Father, in Jesus' name, I receive this need. I thank you, Lord, that this need is met, whatever, or whatever it might be. I thank you that your word declares that this is mine. I receive it right now, and I thank you for it. Now, see, we thought that we had to go uh, with our faith to get it to produce and get it to show up. That's not your job. Faith, our faith life is one of the easiest things you will ever do. The hard part is God's job. He's the one that's got to work to cause it all to come to pass, but who cares? That's him. He is able. Okay? So I tell you what, when I saw that, and the Lord is the one that gave me that illustration, and when I saw that, it took all kinds of pressure off of me and off of my faith. Because now it is very easy for me to believe that I receive what I pray for because that is all I'm supposed to do. So now in my heart, I am thoroughly convinced that when I pray and I believe God that it is mine before I ever see any evidence of it 
coming to pass. Just like she would believe that that is hers before she ever gets the first penny, dime, or whatever of any of that promised money. And I promise you, the life of faith is you beginning to change your thinking to where you see your life being lived out according to what God's word has declared is yours. Just like she would. I guarantee you. Now, her daughter Connie here, they, they live together. So I guarantee you she would be thinking, Connie and I need a bigger house. I definitely, yeah, I definitely need, now Kathy loves to get out on her little riding lawnmower and mow the grass. I definitely, I'm going to have to have some more lawn, some more acreage, and therefore I'm going to have to have a bigger tractor. I mean, I just see all kinds of expansion happening in her life. A newer car, better car, and there's nothing wrong with that. Don't, don't misunderstand me, okay? But my point is this. What we have tried to do is believe God to do for us to do his job and our job, and that's not what Jesus said for us to believe. Are, are you tracking with me? Are, are you listening to me? Okay? So we are to believe that we take hold of the answer when we pray. So begin to see yourself in possession of what you've asked from God and make plans accordingly. That's all part of that receiving, all right? Now, um, let's go to number three. Here's number three. Take control of your thoughts with the word of God and pull down thoughts that are contrary to God's word. Take control of your thoughts. You can do that. God says you can do it. He says, take control of your thoughts with the power of the word of God. Pull down or cast down thoughts that are contrary to God's word. So let's go back to our illustration for a second. What if somebody came up and, and, and Kathy was telling about the wonderful things that have just happened and, and what's been promised to her and uh, somebody starts telling her, um, well, you know, they're probably gonna back out of that. They're probably gonna come to you and say, uh, we changed our minds. What is her response gonna be? Uh-uh, no, no, no. It was promised to me, and that's exactly what I'm going to get, okay? Now, so what is she doing? She's casting down a thought that is contrary to what she is believing from the Word of God. Let's go and see what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. The old King James says imaginations, which is a correct translation. Casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, look at this, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So here's what Paul is telling you that when thoughts arise in your mind or are presented to you that are contrary to what the Word says, you're going to have to do like Barney Fife and place them under citizen's arrest. Bring them captive, arrest them, pull them down, and when you do that, you make those thoughts powerless. Have you ever noticed, I mean, we, we have our police officer back here. You know, if I was to bring him up here and ask, I won't, but if I was to bring him up here and ask him, when somebody is placed under arrest and they have handcuffs on and they are put in the back of the police car for a ride downtown, 
they are now powerless to do anything to harm anybody else or, or him, right? Okay, when you arrest that thought, and I'm gonna tell you how to do it in just a second, but when you take that thought captive, you now have stripped it of any power from being able to get rooted in your thinking and then ultimately end up in your heart, okay? Now, I, I didn't put this in your notes and I, I didn't really do a slide for it, but, but think this through with me. And this is the process of how things work, how, how our, our minds, our hearts work. Whatever you think about the most, you begin to believe. What you believe in your heart, you begin to say. And what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth will be your life experience. Did you get that? So whatever you allow to stay in your thinking will eventually end up in your heart, especially when you start attaching words to it. Then when it gets down into your heart, it's affected what you believe, and what you believe you will begin to say on a regular, continual basis. And when you do that, when your words, remember we said last week, we called that the heart and mouth connection. When, those connect, when that connection is made, Jesus said, Proverbs says, your life will then be built by what you have said and believed in your heart, all right? That was free of charge. That won't cost you anything. So here, do not accept any thoughts of failure and defeat. So how do I do that? Well, here's the thing that you need to understand. You cannot arrest a thought with a thought. You can only arrest a thought with words, spoken words, Okay? And when you speak those words, it controls that thought and brings it into captivity. So when the thought pops into your mind that says, you know, God's not going to meet your needs this time, or maybe it's too late, or, or the circumstances are just too big, the, the need is just too great, God is not going to come through this time, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to open your mouth and speak the word of God that says, no, my God is able. He is more than enough. I serve El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, who is well able to take care of me and to meet my needs. And when you do that, you've just pulled that thought down and cast it down. Now, here's why this is so important. All right, now listen to me carefully. Satan will try and keep you in the mental arena because he's a master there. Now, he knows nothing about operating in faith in the spirit. That's God's arena. That's your arena. And so what he endeavors to do is to get you to stay in the mental so he can continue to harass and try and control that. But when you get out of the mental and get into the spiritual by faith in God's word, he doesn't know what to do with that, all right? So that, that's very, very important. So here's a little thought, okay? I didn't put this in your notes, but just something for you to think about. Thoughts come to us by observation, association, and what we've been taught. Thoughts come into our thinking by by observation, association, and what we have been taught. You know, a lot of things that come into our thinking is just because of what we have exposed our mind to. You know, if you, if you sit around, in a few months, it'll start up. 
uh, you know, you sit around and watch on TV, it's cold and flu season. Have you gotten your medicine yet? You know, and, and then they start seeing the medicine advertisements and all that kind of stuff. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that you, 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 you know, but here's what you're going to have to do. If you let that start getting into your thinking, the first moment when you wake up and you got a little tickle in your throat, you know what's going to come into your mind? You know it's flu season. Okay? Why? Because you allowed that to be introduced. No, you need to learn how to talk to your TV. When stuff like that's presented to you, talk to it. Say no, no, no. It might be flu season for some people, but it's not for me. Okay? Y'all still here? You gone home. All right. So stay away from places and things that do not support what God has said to you in your heart. Let me show you Philippians chapter four, verses six through eight. The scripture says this, be anxious for nothing. You know, we could take those four words, I could drop the mic, we could pray and go home and there is enough in those four words to keep us busy for a while. Do not worry or be anxious for nothing. Nothing, nada, okay? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Then he tells you what to think about. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, Think about or meditate on these things. Now, if you take a, <laughs> you, want, you want to stay busy, start measuring every thought you have against that criteria right there, okay? And see if there's some stuff that you're thinking about that maybe you shouldn't be thinking about. And I love the fact that the Holy Spirit had Paul put that in there so now we know what to think about, okay? Here's number four. This is very important. Fill your mouth with continuous praise and thanksgiving to the Lord that the answer is yours. Fill your mouth with it, with continuous praise. I love Psalm 34. Let's look at Psalm 34, verses 1 through 4. David wrote, and he said, I will bless the Lord when I feel like it. I'll bless the Lord sometimes. His praise shall be in my mouth occasionally, continually. Now, listen, in none of this is David saying he's arrived, and in any of this am I saying I have arrived. I'm saying to you this is a process, but it's something that we work towards. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Think about that for just a second. What does magnify mean? Somebody tell me. Make large, okay? Make bigger. Do you know you can't make God any bigger than he already is? We're in his perspective, but you can make him bigger in your perspective, okay? So, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Later on in this particular psalm, it says that uh, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of some of them. All of them, okay? Look at Psalm 103 with me. This is probably one of my favorite psalms. Again, a psalm of David. It says, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul. 
you're going to have to talk to yourself. I love the fact that David was talking to himself. Hey, soul, bless the Lord. You know, David would ask his soul some questions. You know, he would say, hey, soul, why are you downcast today? You ever, you ever had a conversation with your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions? Why are you depressed today? Why are you feeling down today? So David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Listen, we have a lot that we can put in our mouths and continually praise God for. But when you're standing in faith for something, you're standing in faith for something that you have prayed and believed God for, um, you're going to have to, and I heard this, this is a great illustration, uh, a scale. You remember the old scales that had the two cups, okay, on either side? What you're going to have to do, if, and let me say, say it to you this way, if the asking side of your scale far outweighs your praising and thanksgiving side, you're out of balance, okay? Always let your thanksgiving and praise side out, outweigh your asking side. Now, what does that mean? When you have asked, then begin from that moment forward if you have believed that you received the answer. Because I guarantee you, she's going to leave that day from that conversation with her boss thinking that she works at the best company in the world. And she's going to tell everybody how awesome her company is. And man, if they're ever hiring, you need to go get a job there. And she is going to fill her mouth with praise for that company. Why? Again, she hasn't seen one dime of all that was promised to her. But she's going to fill her mouth with praise because she believes that she's received it, okay? Now, lastly, as we begin to wrap this up, here's number five. Don't undo your prayer of faith. And we do this sometimes. Don't undo your prayer of faith. Don't short-circuit your prayer, okay? Don't undo your prayer of faith. So let me give you three little things under this point, and that's this. Here's the first one. Don't undo your prayer of faith by words that are contrary to what you have prayed. Don't undo your prayer of faith by words that are contrary to what you have prayed. Well, God knows my heart, Pastor. Yeah, he does. Okay? But what you need to understand is when you start out in faith believing for something, when you release words that are contrary to what you have released your faith for and you're standing in faith for, then you have undone your prayer of faith. Now, somebody says, well, what if I do that? Well, then just repent. Say, well, I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me for saying that in Jesus' name. And he picks right back up with you, okay? So don't let words come out of your mouth that are contrary to what you've prayed for. Here's the second thing. Don't keep asking the Lord for the same request. Don't keep asking the Lord for the same request. This negates your prayer of faith because what that says is you didn't believe that you received the answer when you prayed the first time. 
So don't keep, I used to do that when I was young. When I was new in the things of God, I was a young teenage guy and, uh, you know, in high school and there were, you know, some things that I, I was praying about and, and I, would, I would pray over and over and over again for the same thing, over and over and over again. And I could never figure out why my prayers never got answered. Well, that's because I was not approaching it from a place of faith. I was approaching it from a place of wanting to make sure I had all my bases covered. Okay? You don't need to do that. All right? So don't keep asking the Lord for the same request. This negates uh, your prayer of faith. Now, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, the great re revivalist, British revivalist from the early 20th century, said this, if you have prayed seven times for any one thing, you've prayed six times in unbelief. Think about that. If you prayed seven times for one thing, the same thing, then you've prayed six times in unbelief. The great man of prayer, Andrew Murray, said this, it's not good taste to ask God for the same thing over and over and over again. He also said this, if when you do pray again, what you've prayed for hasn't shown up, don't pray for it again in the same way because that's unbelief. Remind God that you've already asked for it, what his word says, and tell him that you're expecting it and thank him for it. So pray, you can pray about the situation. Lord, I thank you and praise you that that need is met. I thank you that you heard me. And this is another reason that I write it down. I know that you heard me on whatever date it was. Lord, thank you that you heard me. Thank you that the answer is mine. I believe that I receive it. Now, I'm just going to take a few moments right now just to praise you and thank you because I know that you're more than able to meet that need. I thank you, Lord, that you are more than able to show up on my behalf and just fill your mouth with praise like that. Now, um, a great man of God who's since gone home to be with the Lord, uh, Norval Hayes, was a skilled man at, knowing, at learning how to worship in faith. Learning how to worship. He knew how to worship the Lord in faith, meaning that when he was in a place where he was believing God for something, he became skilled and, and knew how to worship Jesus for not just for the answer, but here's what you need to understand. It goes a long ways in your faith when, you, when you're able to worship from that place of faith. And what I mean by that, worship is different than praise. Praise is more about what God has done. Worship is about who God is. Okay? So there's a little different uh, application to it, a little different flow to it. And when you begin to worship the Lord because you know he's a great God, you know that even though your problems might be high, he's the most high God, that when you begin to worship him from that position, it will cause your faith to go a whole lot farther. Now, here's the last thing that I want to say to you, and that is this. Write this down, please. It is thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith-filled words that lead the heart out of defeat and into victory. It is faith-filled, faith thoughts and speaking faith-filled words that lead the heart out of defeat and into victory. Now, next week, I'm going to endeavor, the Lord has laid on my heart next week, or probably it'll take me more than one week. It'll probably take me a couple of weeks to do this. But if you go on and read the next verses after Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24, Jesus said this, and when you stand praying, if you have ought against any, forgive, 
so that your Father in heaven may forgive you. One of the greatest ways to short-circuit your prayer of faith, let me take it out of the negative and let me put it in the positive. If you want your faith to work, you're gonna have to learn how to walk in love. The scripture tells us faith works by love, okay? So you're gonna, there's a couple different aspects of that. You're gonna have to learn how to walk in forgiveness and you're gonna have to learn how to walk in love. And there's some different aspects of that. So I want to encourage you, be here for that part because I'm telling you, and I think I might have mentioned this over the last week or two, but there have been some things, man, I mean, stuff I haven't thought about in years that recently as I, you know, I've got things that, that I, I'm believing God for and as I've been praising and worshiping the Lord and just praying in the spirit over those things, conversations that I've had with people years ago have popped up out of my spirit. And I don't ignore that because I know that it's the Holy Spirit bringing that up. And he'll say, you need to forgive them for that, where they said this to you. And I thought, you know, I've let that go. No, somehow it's, it's, it's gained a root down in there. And, and, and I, so I immediately, when that comes up out of my spirit, immediately I deal with it. I say, Lord, in Jesus' name right now, I forgive so-and-so. I forgive them for the words that they spoke in that situation, and I loose it, and I, I, I release them from that in the name of Jesus. Because here's why. I don't want anything to be able to hinder my faith and my relationship with the Lord. And um, I'll tell you what, one of the greatest things is bitterness and unforgiveness and not walking in love. And in these, the weeks that we talk about this, now even though I'm not married, have never been married, by the way, let me say this. You know how the Lord helped me with that? Because I heard pastors, or one in particular, I'm not gonna throw the whole blanket that wide. One in particular, a well-known, nationally known pastor that stood up and said, if you are a single man, you have no business pastoring a church. And I was like, wait, wait, put the brakes on what <laughs> I said where, where's this coming from and, and his whole premise was is because you will not be able to help married people and I, I, th I was like okay wait a minute let me let me go back here and let me think about this for just a second and and, and so I prayed about it for a little bit and the Lord reminded me he said two of the biggest teachers on marriage in the scripture we're not married. Jesus was one, and the Apostle Paul was number two. So when the Lord revealed that to me, I was like, okay, hey, that's the end of discussion. So my point is this. I'm going to give you some things that are going to help relationships in general, but also help you take your marriage to a whole different level. Amen? Anybody excited about that? I can tell by your enthusiasm. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we love you today and thank you so much for the word that we've heard. Father, I thank you that again, the seed of your word has fallen on the hearts of these precious people, the people of Spring Hill Church. And I thank you, Father, that the seeds of your word will grow up and will produce fruit in their lives. And Father, I thank you that we all make a decision collectively right now to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers as well. 
And Father, we're going to do what you reveal to us. We're going to apply it to our lives and we're going to govern our lives with it. And Father, I thank you for it. Lord, I thank you for helping each and every person under the sound of my voice with their faith, helping them to believe and trust you. Lord, I am convinced more now than I ever have been before that there is so much that you want to do in and for and through us. Lord, it's the only thing that's hindering is what we're able to believe you for. And so you're endeavoring and, and working in us to bring our faith to a whole different level so we can take the limits off of you and we can see you do not only in our lives, but lives of the people we love, lives or the, the life of our church, the life of our jobs, our communities, Father. You want to do so much more. You just need us to believe for it. And so, Lord, we're taking the limits off. We're learning how to release and to believe you, Father, for all that you've promised to us. Father, I pray for every single person that might be here in this room that has a need in their lives. I ask you right now to meet that need in Jesus' name. Supernaturally show up and provide uh, divine resource, Father, divine connections and relationships. And Father, I thank you for doing it. I thank you, Father, for healing in physical bodies. I thank you that Jesus took our pains, our sicknesses, our diseases, and with his stripes, we are the healed of the Lord. And Father, we thank you for it. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. We're so grateful for how much you love and you care for us. And Father, I thank you and I praise you for all that you're doing in the lives of every single one of these precious people. And Father, we love you and give you all the praise and the honor and the glory for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.